0: You me down in green river valley i knew that if you couldn't then no one would have Hey this is Adam with Mile High Stash the podcast that asks what five albums he would take to a remote Colorado cabin in the event of a zombie apocalypse. Today we have a little uh, new spin on things for you because we have um, not a musician or entertainer or a producer but a political Candidate, um, Waylon Lewis, who you probably know from the Great Elephant Journal, which used to be on uh, newsstands all over, but has been um, a, a huge online success for a long time now, and and Whalen is is really an icon of Boulder, and it was great to sit down with him in my office and ask him. Um, his platform, his life story, and his five albums as well. Um so I hope you enjoy that. Um we also have a new sponsor, it's the Boulder Roots Music Project, which is a funky little independent nonprofit, you know, that has concerts and, and other music related um events. And actually I am playing drums with rolling harvest at the roots music project on friday december 8th and and it's always fun to play a gig there um thanks for listening and i hope you and enjoy my conversation with waylon lewis and and also if you can please remember to review mile high stash on apple Podcasts or really anywhere you listen to stuff I will talk with you on the flip side of my conversation with Waylon Lewis, who is running for Boulder City Council. Um, The election is November 7th, but mail-in voting is going to start way before that.
1: The Boulder Roots Music Project believes in the power of music to make the world a better place, and all music starts locally. The Roots Music Project empowers artists and audiences to connect and create a thriving and inspiring local music scene. Based in Boulder, Colorado, the Roots Music Project's mission is to foster a DIY music scene with events such as concerts by local and national musicians, open mics, live interviews, and workshops. Head to rootsmusicproject.org for their event calendar and more information about this great Boulder nonprofit music incubator. Waylon Lewis, you are originally from here, right? Originally, yeah, yeah, born and raised. My mom and dad actually had me the first summer of Naropa University. Wow, 1974. I was born on the break, the day off between the two sessions. Very yeah. thoughtfully of me, I think. So I'm guessing you were you were baptized by Allen Ginsberg. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> William Burroughs. Hopefully not Burroughs. Yeah. Hopefully Ginsberg or someone. Yeah. Burroughs had a tendency to. Involve shooting and guns. <laughs> Did you yeah. go to Horizons? I didn't. I don't know if it existed back then. I'm pretty old, but I went to Vidya, which was a Buddhist school. Hmm. Um, a lot of us Buddhist kids went there, and it wasn't just Buddhist. It you know had normal yeah kids in it. But I also went to public schools mostly. Other than that, like uh, Whittier. Yeah, that's where my kid went. Yeah, I learned mm-hmm. how to like swim at Spruce Pool right next door. Yeah, and then Mapleton for first grade and then I think Vidya for like second through seventh and then Casey. You're a Dharma brat? I mean Yeah, oh yeah.
0: Yeah. And your parents were followers of the rims?
1: My parents were follows follow, well, yeah, I mean we're Buddhists, so hopefully we're not too followy. Yeah. You know, like we're not culty. But yeah, they studied with Trunk Rimsha. They divorced pretty young, uh, when I was six mm-hmm. and um yeah, I was brought up in the whole Buddhist world, which I was alternately like bored and grateful for. Do you still practice?: I do. yeah thank God, no yeah. Pun intended. Have you ever lived anywhere else?: Yes, so when I was 13, we moved to Vermont. I got mm-hmm. a scholarship to St. Johnsbury Academy, which was a kind of dead poet society school, a little bit style, you know, mm-hmm. old school like New yep. Englandy, but also like public again. So it was half private half public it was a partnership so i rode the bus with all the like you know hicks and mm. flannel sh- shirt wearing huge guys who wanted to kick my ass because <laughs> so i was a little sweet buddhist kid they're mm. like we hear you barbecued your teacher meaning cremated
0: mm. like we're oh, gonna kick yeah. your ass
1: on the school bus and then i'd finally get off the school bus and be in this like the opposite like this preppy yeah fancy world and then I went to Boston University, lived in Boston for a long time. Uh-huh. And still miss it. Still miss Vermont. And um, and then moved back here kinda accidentally. I would always come out here every summer mm-hmm. with like three hundred bucks in my account and like do a Buddhist retreat yeah. all summer up at Shambhala Mountain Center. Yeah. Now Drala Mountain Center. Yeah. And uh, you know, work study, so it was free. So you're working and you get food and rent. Yeah. And like a little stipend like $30 a month or something. And then I'd study Buddhism, study the hell out of it. I loved it and um, I needed it. And then I'd go back to Boston.
0: What are your feelings on the state of, uh, I mean, there's a split now because there are people oh, yeah. who want it to be Shambhala and there are people who want it to be Drala.
1: Which? The Drala Mountain Center? Yeah. Oh, I don't know about that split. I know about the Shambhala split with the Sakyong. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Some
0: people are still with him, and some people are like, he's Voldemort.
1: Yeah, no, I'm, as usual, I'm like in an uncomfortable position where I am not in the middle per se, but Mm -hmm. I don't hate him, hurt people, hurt people. But I was very early and very clear with my publication, Elephant Journal. I did videos, and people on both sides got mad at me, Yeah, which sometimes means you're in a good place, yeah, but it's a good sign. Yeah. I basically said, look, we should split with the Sakyong. You know, we can't have sexual assault mm. at the top of, or ideally anywhere, yes. but certainly not at the top with your teacher. But at the same time, like our lineage, mm. our history is full of messed up people mm. who practice meditation and Dharma and wake up and are kind mm. and to themselves and others yeah. like Milarepa killed 10 people or something. Um, Hopefully we're not encouraging that, but you know. Anyway, I said we should split with him, and we have, which I'm mm. really happy about. But I also don't hate him. I mean, I knew he was my teacher, and I knew him and loved him. And we always knew he was fallible. Yeah, Buddhism isn't about worshiping a god. Yeah, we're yeah, all yeah, fucked yeah. up. All excuse me, I don't know if we can swear. I'll swear as much as you want. All right, we're all fucked up, yeah. and you know, tree, loving kindness is the practice of making friends with our own neurosis, and then mm through that you have empathy oh I'm insecure I'm arrogant I'm neurotic whatever for other people are insecure arrogant neurotic or whatever yeah and then it's compassion that's Mahayana yeah service that's why I'm getting into some service hopefully
0: so Trungpa Rinpoche passed away when you were like
1: 10 or 12 yeah do you remember, remember the phone call yeah
0: remember meeting him
1: Oh, yeah, many times. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I took uh, Bodhisattva Vows with him, which is like the second rank. Of, yeah. I know you know, probably. but
0: Well, it's a Beastie Boys song. That's how I knew it growing up. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Adam
1: mm-hmm. Yawk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, love the Beastie Boys. Love Free Tibet Concerts. Miss yeah. those. Yeah. And um, love the Bodhisattva Vows. Love Trunk Rinpoche. He was also imperfect. You know. Yeah. Wildly imperfect. Infamously, crazy Wisdom. Yeah, infamously imperfect. Mm. difference with him is, I think, for the most part, he was very transparent and open about it.
0: Well, I mean, there's a documentary about him called Crazy Wisdom that I really like, and it kind of talks about how, whether you buy into it or not, that he was trying to be a bad example. He was trying to say, mm. don't be like this.
1: Well, he you explicitly know. said that, but I, yeah, I, think, yeah. I think there was some corruption in the sense of he wrote a beautiful poem, he was very self aware and transparent again. Mm-hmm. He wrote a beautiful poem saying, Have I been corrupted by drinking too much Coca Cola? You know, mm-hmm. it was, there's a lot more to it. But yeah, the idea yeah. of like, you know, when you're a rock star, especially like a spiritual rock star.
0: Yeah. With spiritual is, lives.
1: Yeah. Then mm-hmm. you can kind of. It's so easy to use power for pleasure instead of yeah. for compassion. And I think he did more than almost anyone I know in the entire world for compassion so I I can't knock him but in that sense but you know Buddhism teaches critical intelligence they say you know that's how I felt about the Sakyong like when I was in the Sung, which is sort of a service corp again Mm. I know you know again but you know I was like basically like a protector of the Sakyong at various points Mm. Sakyong being Trung Pramshe's son Yeah. now deposed um but they taught us, to their credit, like you don't do what the teacher says; you do what is best for the situation and mm-hmm. what is ethical. And that's how we were raised as Buddhists. We don't—we're not here to worship and be in some little cult. We're here to actually like wake up out of yeah, our yeah. Own selfishness and be a benefit to our planet, which gosh knows it needs it.
0: And the community is still here, and that's the important yeah. thing. If you Love depose this person, you know that doesn't taint the community. It's still here.
1: I'm so proud. I adore our community. I was just attacked on Reddit like a few days ago for being like a rape apologist. I haven't read it. Wow. But I think they're just referring to me like defending the Sakyong, which I honestly haven't. Yeah. But I have failed to hate him. Yeah. And I will continue to fail to hate him.
0: Hate nothing at all except hatred.
1: Beautiful. Don't even hate hatred. Like hug hatred. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Like in Buddhism, it says victory over, you know those pins, the costume pins? They say victory, victory over war. Yeah, the yeah. real meaning is victory over aggression. Yeah. So,
0: My kid exactly has... Exactly what you just said. Yeah. Well, Bob Dylan said it, so don't you know, oh, give me credit for that. Exactly what you and Bob said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My kid has now done uh, Sun Camp cool. three years in a row, that and is. it is her favorite thing. She dreams about it throughout the year. And I posted something on Facebook that was a video of the parade at the end and I yeah. said my kid is now a soldier in the, the army against war you know That's so beautiful yeah yeah
1: yeah I, I uh I fantasized or dreamed about sun camp every year all year we yeah. all did yeah I was roommates with Saul Halpern who was hosting my yeah yeah mates with Saul who's hosting my um launch party for yeah council which we'll get into maybe yeah but um Sun Camp was that rare oasis where you, like, could actually be treated with respect as a kid. Yeah. Trunk Prim always said, don't call kids kids. He said, call them children. Treat them formally and with respect. Mm. Whether You can call them kids or whatever, but the point was, like, treat them with respect. Yeah. And, you know, it wasn't as clicky. There were cool kids and all that at Sun Camp, but everyone kind of was, for one week or whatever, mm. was relatively nice to each other. Yeah. And as you may remember, I'm getting too old to remember, but... Being a kid was tough. It was like walking mm. around with no skin on, no armor. Yeah. yeah.
0: So tell me about how you went from, um, I believe Elephant is still going on, but it's yeah. online. Everybody yeah. knows about Elephant Magazine.
1: Yeah. All it's around been the- online for 16 years or something.
0: Yeah. 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 But it used to be on newsstands. Which yeah. Was for really the cool. first six years, it, yeah. it got
1: not big, but like national. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Did pretty well. It's fucking great. Still would have done well if I'd kept it going, but it was it it was burning me out and yeah. going online at that time. Like Facebook was new, YouTube was new. Yeah. You know, Twitter was new. It was yeah. funny looking back. Yeah.
0: What did you learn from Running Elephant that you are taking into your mm. running for office? Now? That's
1: an amazing question. No one's really asked me that. I um I learned. I learned that I was like very this sounds sort of like self-congratulatory, uh, but I learned that I was like an ethical boss, mm. that I wanted to pay people well and and have good retention because you save money and you have better people sticking around for longer and less drama. Yeah. I also learned that I, frankly, was highly mediocre at best as a manager. Mm. So I went to Naropa Authentic Leadership Program and mm. I like really applied myself for a long time. And I think... You know, I've been a boss now for 22 years. We had 37 staff last like eight years. And I learned that I was like not a great manager. I was great facing one way, being an entrepreneur, facing outward Mm -hmm. and building something and inspiring people and connecting. And we built 13 million social fans and millions, millions of readers a month. We peaked at 30 million readers. Wow. But I was highly mediocre again at facing inward and running I didn't really care I think that was part of the problem about like managing thirty staff. I wanted other people to do it. I wasn't you know the Buddhist exhortation similar to many different traditions uh is to be a benefit mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, I obviously want to be decent to people and treat them right um the thirty people working for me or whatever, but my real goal is to like kind of raise awareness on climate crisis and equity and, you know, women's rights and, you know, meditation and all these issues that elephant always covered. Mm -hmm. And I think we did that in a lot of moments of crises and, you know, when someone famous died. Like, we had a lot of moments where we really were able to kind of touch in with the national or international consciousness and be a mindful reference point. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so... You know, I think I got better as a manager to the point where I had an amazing staff, great retention. Um, But, you know, we were always small and strapped for money and it's hard, you know. Mm. Um, Now it's sort of almost autopilot. My staff is amazing. It's the first time I can run for office, just Mm. time-wise. Yeah. I mean, barely. I mean, I'm run ragged right now, but it's kind of mostly fun. Um, So it's okay. But... Uh, what else did I learn? I think I learned just that responsibility. I've talked about that at a couple of the city council forums where, Mm. you know, you're responsible for 35 people or whatever on your staff. You're responsible for what you put out there. And that sense of being a small or large business, whatever we were, small staff wise, but huge reach, Mm -hmm. um, you know, gave me a sense of like, oh, I can do this. I can talk with people who are anti vaxxers and Trumpers and, you know, conspiracy theorists and all this stuff and I can like relate to them honestly. I won't say I'm always pleasant with them, but I i can I can be straightforward. I'm not patronizing. I'm not a jerk. I mean sometimes a bit I, I disagree with them vehemently. Yeah. And if they're disrespectful I may return that in kind. I think respect is earned. But um it gave me a sense of confidence. You know in terms of relating to the madness in politics and i've already yeah, been yeah. like attacked i'm running for city council it's like the smallest office in the world i always say dog catchers here city council's <laughs> down here in terms of power but you know i've already been like attacked mostly anonymous anonymously people are really passionate about where they live oh my god exactly yeah. so you have no respect because it's just a lowly office you're not a governor you're not a congressperson. you're not a president yeah you're a city councilor I always say no. No one's ever impressed if you're like I'm on city council, mm-hmm. you know. But you have a ton of power over their yard yeah. or over their yeah. daily enjoyment of their town that they're deeply invested in. Noise and yeah. dogs, safety, safety all kind of small stuff. Marshall fires and yeah, you know, everything. Yeah. King super shooting. Every yeah. macro and micro issue is, and you're right there. You're also not far away from them in Washington D.C. or even Denver. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're at you're at King Supers shopping. Yeah, you're yeah. at the farmers market. You're at. I'm biking around. You know, I'm even more visible than most people. I think you. So I have lived in Boulder off and on for
0: fifteen years now, and there's never been a time that I don't see you biking around. And yeah. you know, like you are iconic. You're as iconic as like the Pearl Street Mall. It's like Waylon Lewis, he's a part of Boulder you know so that's pretty good for running for off <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> well it better be because yeah. the obstacle I have is I'm one of the I'm really the only candidate there may be a few candidates who don't have a realistic chance to win uh-huh. I'm the only like front runner yeah who is independent there's like basically two oh. big slates and a bunch of other groups and I may get support from a lot of groups I have tons of endorsements yeah. from you know really amazing people in this world, this world of Boulder and politics and stuff. But cool. you aren't you know, uh, the I'm, candidate of Plan
0: Boulder or exactly. the candidate of...
1: That's yeah. why, like, I don't know if we can say, but your friend yeah. over here said, yeah. um, he said, I disagree with you on some stuff, but I like where you're coming from. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. 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 So my general approach, which is sincere, you can be insincere about it and just mm-hmm. use it as a shield. But my general approach when people are like, what do you think about homelessness? What do you think about climate crisis? It's like, okay, we're in a town with like NOAA, you know, NOAA, mm-hmm. like NCAR. We're in a town with like experts on every subject. Like, who gives crap what I think? I'm here as a counselor to represent the best possible advice of these experts and make in, that happen.
0: In running for office, are you learning tangibly the difference between an opinion and
1: a position? I don't know. I don't know about that. My opinions, I don't... I have opinions, and I sometimes am defensive, like anyone. But I think they're not very solid. I think I'm happy to change my mind. And positions, I feel sort of the same. Like, I Mm. do have values, as I said when I was walking out with your friend. But my values, I don't think, are up for debate because I think they're basically about compassion, equity, um, taking climate crisis seriously, which... Almost no one is. I mean, everyone says the same stuff. Oh, we're concerned about public safety, climate, and affordability. Yeah. But there's huge differences if you, you know, dig beneath the surface. Yeah, yeah. Huge. I went for a walk with one of the two mayor candidates and who we were just talking about. And uh, he or she said, oh, it'd be great if you you were on council to have someone, uh, you know, passionate about the climate stuff. That's, I think, a quote. Like you know, meaning out of nine councilors, there's no one who's like really fired up about it. No pun intended. I'm yeah. super fired up about it. What
0: do we do in, in Boulder in, in terms of fighting climate change and being environmentalists? I don't, I don't really have
1: yeah the I answer think to that question. Two things. I think one, you know, think locally, inspire globally. You know the old. Yeah. Bumper sticker.
0: Yeah, but I'm I'm saying, what are we doing? What's actually yeah. happening here? Well, I, but
1: to I, be like, specific. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, like, yeah. what can we do locally? What can we do? What can we do, can we do locally? And yeah. there's a lot. And it's actually super urgent. The fact that it's not done should keep everyone up at night. Yeah. Like, we are sitting ducks. Boulder, if yeah. nothing changes, Boulder will burn in the next five or ten years. Yeah. Like, a huge swath of historic Boulder or Boulder out, East Boulder. You know, Marshall Fire has already burned a thousand homes. This is not theoretical. Yeah, yeah. So it's a matter of time. You know, I in my bedroom I can see the Flagstaff uh, parking thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really far away. But one one year, someone flicked a cigarette or whatever. You know, we don't know what it was, but it was right off the Flagstaff lookout where the cars park yeah. and people look out at the stars. And a fire started there, and went, <sighs> I could see it from my yeah. bedroom. And then you saw and the fire all these flashlights and they're fighting it and it was small still and they got it back yeah but it's just a matter of time so locally what can we do fire mitigation I met with the fire folks last night Um, we met from 6 to 10 last night with the city staff really fun 10 p.m. meeting Um, but they said the same thing and that's where I'm like okay experts listen to experts yeah Um, you know we have eight-foot-tall wooden, dry wooden fences connecting every house yep, just about in Boulder. So we don't allow wooden shingles anymore. We shouldn't allow wooden fences. I have wooden fences. I'm not telling everyone, oh, you know, nanny state, like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I'm just saying you're going to burn down, and you're going to burn your neighbor's house, or they'll burn yours. So yeah. we need fire mitigation crews going house to house saying, okay, you're going to have to replace your fence at some point anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, Here's, we'll pay for half of it if you yeah. replace so it with stucco or a cheap chain link metal fence. doesn't have to be expensive or brick or stone or the thin metal. You know, those sort of modern yeah. fences yeah, that yeah. are just thin panels of tin or whatever they are. We need to do that. We need to outlaw wooden siding, sadly. I'm sorry. Like, again, my house is wooden siding. It's old Victorian, but... We can't allow new wood siding, yeah, And yeah. whenever it gets replaced, it needs to be like the hardy board stuff. Fire. How do you
0: get um, more people to commute by bike?
1: Yeah, because... exactly. So that's another local yeah. action. So yeah. we're actually finally doing it. I don't know what's happened, but we're starting to put in... So I always talk about my neighbors, Morja and Todd, and their three kids. Um, I won't say the kids' names just for pri- their privacy. Yeah. But like... It's like watching the, like, little ducklings, you know. There's, like, three little kids in descending order of size and the two parents. And when they bike around, it's heaven seeing them. They moved here from Boston, actually, like, I don't know, Mm -hmm. five, ten years ago. And they're the best neighbors ever. How often are they on their bike? Once every couple months. Why? Mm -hmm. So they have a huge SUV. They have a huge truck. They use that even for a two-block drive to a school. I'm not trying to shame them i'm saying if we had protected bike lanes oh i know that's a big everywhere thing. not just you know occasionally in random disconnected yeah. places you have to give old people seniors i guess i should call them as a politician old people you know young people students families you have to give them a sense of safety cuz not mm-hmm. everyone's going to be like me or you like biking around like people try to run me over every single day and often don't even notice they almost run me, yeah. ran me over cuz yeah. they're on their their phone yeah so protected bike lanes and the cool thing about that is it's car friendly too every single person you get out of a car less traffic more parking Mm -hmm. you know less road maintenance which is super expensive um, because the bikes don't destroy the roads what about some
0: sort of tax incentive for buying a bike
1: i think they're doing that in denver we actually did that here for e-bikes we we did a really cool system that was actually better than what Denver did, mm-hmm. for the little I know, because we did it more around equity. So, like, I have a good income from Elephant.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm not eligible for the e-bike yeah. subsidy. It should mm-hmm. only be for people who, where it's actually key in helping them. An um, the e-bike, just to be clear, is still expensive for me. My mm-hmm. e-bike is like, whoo, it's a lot more expensive than my bikes. Mm. So... Anyway, we did a system here, but it should be much more widespread. We just did our first one like a year ago. Yeah. Okay, so. I love that. Like all that local stuff, all of it. The green building, the solar, the electrification of every building, you know, as opposed to gas, fracking, Mm -hmm. and all that stuff, which pollutes us anyway.
0: Yeah. So I am going to ask you about your campaign and your goals and your plans and all that stuff after you tell me your five albums that oh, yeah. you would take okay. to a remote Colorado cabin in the event of a zombie apocalypse.
1: Okay. Um yeah. You can well, probably picture where this cabin would be. Unless leave. there's info about what m- kind of music zombies hate and mm-hmm. will stay away from, in which case I would take that. Yeah. The albums, and I, I I'm sure people struggle to answer this straightforwardly. Yeah. Because... Would I take the Beatles? Would I take Beethoven? Would I take, you know, I don't know, Louis Armstrong? Like, would Mm -hmm. I take some of that just timeless stuff? I probably would, honestly. Yeah. But then I'd run out of my five picks. So when I was thinking about it on the way here, I was like, I'll just stick to ones where they were like formative in my life. Because that's more interesting than me saying like Beethoven, Mozart,
0: you know, You can choose whatever
1: the hell you want, though. I know. And I probably honestly would pick some of that. Because yeah. when I was 12 or whatever, hearing my mom's Supremes, Mozart, you know, that stuff, it's just formative in your consciousness of what mm. music is. Yeah. And I, uh, the Supremes, I mean, now that I mentioned that, like, how could I leave them behind? That would be amazing. And it brings me right back to playing like, you know, being six years old and playing matchbox cars in the rows on my rug in the living room of my house on Mapleton and 21st. Mm. But for me, I would pick... So I was like all freshmen in college, I was excited and cool and nerdy and not cool at all and nervous and, you know, I was all over the place and Pearl Jam 10 came out.
0: So it it came out uh, thirty two years ago uh, last uh, Saturday. Interesting. Look yeah. at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did you know that? It was all over social media. Oh, it was okay. Like 10. I was like, wow, you're you are You remember the long box? Remember they put the CD, w- which was really bad in, environmentally, but it was just a cardboard box. And like all the hands this long, and the C and the CD was at the top. It was like it was just to make art. Yeah, you know, to make the
1: album kind of art come back. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember all the hands on the cover of 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I think, you know, I also, in picking this, you didn't say songs, you said albums. Yeah. That's a perfect album. The yeah. entire thing is perfect. Yeah. Every song. There's no no throwaway on there. And I'm pretty sure I feel the same way about Cranberries
0: mm-hmm. that came
1: out around then. I don't remember the title, but it was the one that Everybody came out. else
0: is doing it, so why can't we? What's Probably. It was like 92 or
1: 93. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, exactly the same moment, so I think it sort of froze as like, this was my formative time becoming a young man, was Red Hot Chili Peppers, Blood Sugar Sex Magic. I yeah. think, you know, it was a CD, but we wore grooves in it, kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, Nirvana, too, but I, I honestly wouldn't pick Nirvana, just because you can't pick Nirvana and Pearl Jam. No. I don't feel like no. that's, that's interesting. Uh, and heart-wise, I way more identified with Eddie Vedder and yeah. Pearl Jam. Nirvana was incredible, but um, for me, not the same relationship. Like I remember Rolling Stone back when Rolling Stone was like still an interesting, cool alternative magazine. wrote. Yeah. like the whole world was. I don't remember, but the sentence stuck in my head. It was something about the whole world was effed up, and then Pearl Jam Ten came out, mm. and broke all of our hearts or something mm. like it was this moment of just i think at that time a lot of music was super corporate you know like i mean it still kind of is you know all about the top 40 top mm. 10 you know all that stuff and then pearl jam came out it was so rough i don't even don't know if you remember that story but eddie Vedder was like sleep deprived recording it separately on a beach right, right you right, know right, right. i mean it was just a nutty weird anti-corporate yeah well, the creation. first
0: video up was Alive, and I remember um, when that came out. I was 11, and it was just a concert film. It was just them and Eddie Vedder is, is like climbing the raptors, the raptors yeah. and jumping yeah. into the crowd, and and it was just this thing where I, I think in the 80s, you remember hair metal, yeah. and, and the rock stars were these big yeah. gods, you know, and when Pearl Jam came out, um, and also the it smells like Teen Spirit video. It was like, hey, we're yeah. just one of you. There's no difference between the audience and the band. And I think we're that one was of a you and deal. kind
1: of fuck the man. And yeah. I miss yeah. fuck the man. Yeah. Like I really miss that message. I feel yeah. like all my friends go shopping at Whole Foods, which is Amazon. All my friends, yeah. you know, all my so many people on social are obsessed with conspiracies, but no one's obsessed. Not enough people are obsessed with climate crisis, which is a conspiracy in the open to destroy the entire planet. for short-term profits. Well,
0: just posting something on Facebook is not an action. I I think a lot of people confuse saying something in a social media post with, like, doing something that would be an an example for everything else.
1: and I think it's because we're busy and we're sort of broke, and the man keeps us a little busy and broke, you Mm -hmm. know? Like, the inequality in our economy forces a lot of people to keep their head down, and when they have a few moments, they just want to relax and rest, you know? There's this saying that
0: uh, this species has amused itself to death. Yeah, I think a lot of people Oof. work to make enough money to pay the bills, and then they entertain themselves the rest mm. of the time.
1: Yeah, so I think the next album to that, like albums wait, that wait, wait, rise wait, wait, above. Wait. I do have a question for you.
0: Oh please! Did you see Pearl Jam at the Glenn Miller Ballroom when they played
1: here? No. Oh. And do you know Nirvana played? Uh, they played Penny at Penny Lane. yeah. 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 No. Yeah. yeah. Now, yeah idiot I don't even know if I I wasn't here then anymore I was in Boston for Pearl Jam
0: unless have you seen them play the what have you seen Pearl Jam play no you have to I know oh man
1: I yeah I grew up I don't know what my excuse is but I grew up really poor we never did anything like that that costs money yeah and then when I was in college I was super broke yeah and I would see occasional concerts but they were usually kind of organized by the school or you know right I really haven't gone to Red Rocks that many times and that yeah. kind of thing. I don't have a car. I just bike. So I'm sort of a weird, weirdo in that way. Same with sports, which I love sports. And i yeah. like, how many games have I gone to? Like, oh, yeah, we were talking about that, okay. I think, for a while. Like okay. a handful, ever.
0: Well, it's going to be more expensive to go to Nuggets games now, so it'll be tough. That's what happened with the abs is, like, you could go for, like, 10 or 20 bucks and then they want a cup. And, and now
1: everyone knows uh, about the Nuggets. Okay, album number four. Well, I think Pearl Jam 10. Yeah. Red Hot Chili Pepper, Blood Sugar Magic. Um, Cranberries Cranberries could be it. I don't know if I would put them in the top five. It's a sound that really powerfully brings me back. But frankly, a lot of that stuff brings me back. Smashing Pumpkins, The Bell, Dong, you know, all that stuff. But because Sinead O'Connor, I wouldn't say the album, but when I was Mm -hmm. in high school and she just passed away, of course. Yeah. that song broke all of our hearts in a wonderful way. Yeah. Uh, nothing compares to you. But I don't think the album did. Um, so moving ahead, I think um, Ben Harper. I'm struggling to remember mm. which album it was. I mean, I had a couple, but it was like right around 2099.
0: The one with I'm Gonna Burn One Down?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I obviously know that song, yeah. but... um. So I'd have to look up which album, but it was 1999, 2000. I did see him in concert. I actually not only saw him in concert, I was wearing a, at the time, very cool red cowboy hat. Mm. And it was in the Boulder Theater. And he was all cowboyed up. He always is. And he saw me in the middle of the show. And he was like, hey, man, I love your hat. Mm -hmm. And I like, my reaction was like kind of funny in the moment I stood up and I was just so excited that he had like <laughs> had acknowledged me. I turned toward the crowd and went, rah, and everyone went, wah, <laughs> and it was just a great moment. And then I like, I don't know how it happened. He either asked for it or I offered it, but I threw it onto stage and he wore it on top of his oh, wow. fro. I mean, it didn't fit yeah. it was on his fro up yeah. here for a while. That's awesome. I don't remember. I think he threw it back at some point. That's a great memory. Yeah, it was cool. And, you know, I genuinely, again, in that genuine heart way, mm-hmm. Ben Harper just, I felt like the way he used his voice mm-hmm. was on the one hand very Buddhist in the sense of, or a poet, or a, mm-hmm. he just, everything, it was incredibly, like Kerouac, who was one of my favorite writers, is very in touch with every nuance of his voice as it came out, yeah. like a trumpet, trumpeter, like Louis Armstrong. Yeah. Um, and it was very genuine, very raw, and very mm-hmm. fun, very powerful, kind of all over the place depending on the song. Yeah.
0: So if you haven't seen it, you should look up on YouTube, Ben Harper sitting in with Pearl Jam. It's I think awesome. I have
1: seen some of that. I have. It's like, that's a dream It's for so me. good. Oh my God.
0: It's really bluesy, you know, because Pearl Jam's not really <laughs> bluesy, and then all of a sudden, you know, he's playing guitar with them, and it's, it's No, fantastic. I have seen
1: some of that over the years. Yeah. I, yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing more. Okay, your
0: your fifth and final okay. zombie apocalypse album.
1: Um. So I think this one is not heartfelt at all for me. I was looking at it up as I sat down. It's Franz Ferdinand. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I forget the name of the album because I frankly never knew it. I just listened to the album eight thousand times. But it, this, you know, it yeah, dates yeah. me again because it was the first time everything was in my like iTunes and. I didn't listen to it by the name of the album, but it was... Right, right, right.
0: This is with Take Me
1: Out? Yeah. Yeah. And it was the one with the lady with the megaphone. Yeah. The kind of, like, propaganda art. But Mm. I don't remember what she was yelling in the megaphone. But that was the cover. Anyway, that album, I think as I emerged from being... And I'm still, like, you know, vulnerable and kind of sweet and all that from the Buddhist world or Kerouac, you know... I'm going through it again like just getting attacked running for city council i'm like yeah. just i'm like oh it hurts you know yeah. um and people are telling me to toughen up some people and i'm like i don't know if that's my way i just don't know if we buddhists are supposed to be kind of broken hearted and open but also strong back at the yeah. same time yeah yeah and sane and grounded not lost in our neurosis but like vulnerable and i think that'll be my path but I think as I got more popular in Boulder, you know, you said iconic at some point. Like, when I came back to Boulder in, in 99, first couple years I was working, I was running around, I'd been young and having a good time with my friends. But at some point, I don't really know, it probably gradually just started. I think around when I started Elephant, probably mostly. But suddenly, it was the first time in my life. I felt, like, for many years, really popular. Like, not... Not in a necessarily meaningful way, but it's not meaningless either. Like, I'd go around town, and there was this sense of community and warmth everywhere I went. And I'd sit down for lunch, and 10 people would say hi. And whoever I'm Mm. having lunch with would be like, oh, you're the mayor of Boulder. And people would say that for, like, 20 years. And I think Franz Ferdinand captured that moment for Mm. me. Because they're incredibly, if you know them, they're incredibly, like ridiculous and kind of full of themselves and they have this full i think they're scottish right yeah this full voice and just this kind of humor and this kind of like strut yeah and rhythm and joy and attitude and so unlike ben harper unlike i mean red hot has a lot of that but unlike pearl jam and pearl jam was kick-ass but so heartfelt always and i think franz ferdinand just was like so delightful and full of themselves in a fun way yeah, Like at the time Colbert was becoming very famous, Stephen mm-hmm. Colbert, and he was playing that right wing guy, you know, his character. Colbert Rapport. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he had that same sense of positive ego where he made fun of himself, mm-hmm. but he had fun with building himself up. He was like, I'm a genius, you know, I'm mm-hmm. a blah, blah, blah. So there was yeah. that sort of, and I think for me coming out of the Buddhist thing, which is like, don't be full of yourself, you know. Don't be proud of anything. Like Mm. there's a real misconception in growing up Buddhist where you have to almost be embarrassed of yourself because you're trying to stay away from being egotistical all the time.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: But Franz Ferdinand and Stephen Colbert and maybe other influences, but they were so full of themselves, but with full awareness and humor and just strutting and fun. They're just badass. And uh, I think that was helpful for me. It's so, fun. So you don't have a mohawk and uh,
0: tattoos and things like this, but I consider you punk rock oh. because punk rock is supposed to be a- about being unique and and super local, like really caring about you know making the place that you live better from the inside, and also the fact that you're so open-hearted every every room that you walk into you know you're just Mm. authentic you know that's punk rock
1: i agree with the punk rock thing punk rock is like fuck the man yeah and so many of us are just part of the man the system now we we don't even think about it and that includes even tattooing you know Mm. a lot of people have genuine really sweet tattoos and Mm -hmm. you know who am i to judge yeah I love tattoos, whatever. It's great. But, like, even that badass expression of, like, fuck the man is Mm -hmm. now so common that, you know, whatever, the man is getting tattooed, frat boys, whatever, you know. So, yeah, I think, you know, we need to express ourselves in, you know, I'm looking at all these sports figurines, like, that kind of joy in community. Mm -hmm. And do something special, you know. Yeah. Because this world, we're... We're breaking this world. We're cooking yeah. it. And our children and their children are just totally effed if we don't. We actually have the like the last opportunity ever to save the planet for those yeah. generations. Yeah. And we're not saving it because we're heroes. We're saving it from ourselves.
0: It has really felt, uh, this summer, um, when you said the word bake... Yeah, it has really felt outside in Boulder like we're in an oven, and I had only felt that way in like you know New Orleans or like New York City in in the middle of summer, and yeah. it wasn't like that before. No,
1: it would rain every afternoon. I mean, we actually had a we got luckier in Colorado than most of the world. Yeah, yeah. But most this was obviously by far the hottest summer in the yeah. history of yeah. humankind. Yeah, yeah. So. It's not all about climate change, though. It's about, like, you can you can fight climate change through the stuff you love. Like, the community you find in sports mm-hmm. can be leveraged to care about all sentient beings, you know? Like, I'm, yeah. I love sports, too. Is it a waste of time? I don't... I mean, yes, but it, I don't really think it is, in a way. I think it's so fun, and I think fun is good.
0: I remember being at, um, you know, one of the very few... Sporting events that I, one of my partners went went to with me, and she was just like, all of these people. There's like 40,000 people at this baseball game, and they all care about the yeah. outcome of this. So imagine much. if all of these people yes. <laughs> cared about, like, yes, we're gonna ride our
1: bikes, yeah, ride our bikes to work. We're gonna shop you local, know? yeah. Like so, last time yeah. I'm in a staff meeting with city uh, with city staff for Boulder. They're training us in case we win. I don't know why they don't train oh, us in yeah, a yeah. because half of us won't win. But meanwhile, they have snacks out. And of course, plastic, 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 plastic. Pl- like they're all wrapped in plastic, which is direct fossil fuels yeah. and lasts yeah. forever and messes animals up and messes us up. And it's probably related to cancer and all kinds of things. Yeah. And then they're all from these mega corporations. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm on the customer board of Nude Foods. Like, why couldn't they have stuff in glass that's from local farms and local this and that? Yeah. And it's yummier, it's healthier. It's, it's just weird. Like, we're just out of sync with our own values as yeah. a species. Speaking of punk rock, I was really into The Clash when I was growing up. Yeah, and I would I li- tell.
0: I would, like, listen to any interviews with Joe Strummer that I could find. And he would always say, we don't just vote On election day, we vote with every choice that we make every single day. Mm. And, you know, there's a reason that there's a little organic section at Safeway. It's not because Safeway was like, hey, maybe we could do some organic stuff. It was like, no, people were voting with their dollars somewhere else, Yep. you know, and so.
1: Yeah, and we can do it. I mean, Michael Pollan wrote one book. You know, I interviewed him for Elephant. He wrote one. Mm. I mean, he's written a bunch of books. But back in 2000, he wrote like whatever it was called, 2002 or something. He wrote uh, Omnivore's Dilemma. Mm -hmm. And at that time, farmer's markets were dying out, farms were dying out. I remember when I came back to Boulder in 99, like, farms were kind of considered, like, old-fashioned. Yeah. Like a dying thing. There were only a few left, is my memory. And at least in public consciousness, there were only a few left. And then he wrote that book, and farmer's markets increased by Mm 10,000% in one decade. Wow. And, you know, restaurants like The Kitchen and all these restaurants started saying, we get stuff from our local farms." Blah, 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 Yeah. You know, so we can change. Yeah. We fixed the ozone layer back in 1990 or whatever. Yeah. Like, we yeah. can do it. Yeah. But we have to care, like Joe Stromer was saying.
0: Yeah. Well, we also cared, you know, during World War II, there were all these drives to recycle right. and things like that. <laughs> because people cared. and then yeah. They did. Every scrap. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: and victory gardens yeah i was just touring the affordable housing in boulder by Mm -hmm. bike with some of the people who do it and i at the end i said you know what i saw was amazing like more gorgeous more community than like normal which one was this this is boulder housing partners and they build affordable housing all over boulder and so two things at the end i said could you do more or is it just not working financially because boulder's so expensive. They said, no, what we're doing works hmm. financially. We just need more funding to do it faster. We could do it twice as fast. Yeah. Because the danger is it's getting harder, not easier, because we're getting more yeah. more expensive. Yeah. Although a couple more fires and that'll be fixed. Yeah. And then and then the other cool thing was on the lawn of this Latino family who I ran across, mm-hmm. there are all these bikes, just like in the eighties, yeah. you know? bikes laying around. But then in their flower bed, instead of having flowers and they had some flowers, they had planted corn. So it was like mm. huge stalks of corn. And wow. It was beautiful. And, you know, it was for eating. Like, yeah. that's what we should be doing instead of lawns everywhere. And
0: One of my favorite things in Boulder every single day is seeing these Latino guys with like a flannel shirt and jeans and they're commuting to work by bike. And there are like wealthy... You know, white people here who are driving two blocks, you know, to get to work.
1: Yeah, and, you know, EVs are a huge improvement and can help solve the world. But, like, again, I don't have an EV. We can save $20,000 in insurance and crap just, like, getting on a bike. So bike lanes to make it safe and doable for more families and subsidies so that people can get e-bikes and... Mm -hmm. And then more E V buses, which I yeah. love, to all the surrounding towns. Like we can make it work. Yeah. Um obviously it's not easy, but it's not that hard either.
0: We can make it work is not your campaign slogan though. It's fuck the man is your campaign. Fuck the man campaign slogan.
1: We can make we can make the you know, yeah. the other stuff work. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I'm very busy, you're very busy. Yeah. And I just want to use these
1: last few minutes. Uh, what's the date of the election? So mail-in ballots drop like around October fifteenth, and okay. about half the city votes by mail-in. And then if you're voting in person, it's November eighth.
0: Okay, yeah. So imagine that that you were on a debate stage.
1: I've been on a bunch already.
0: Except there are bobbleheads around. Oh, and, <laughs> and it's like a funny dream, um, you know. And they say, "Okay, Waylon Lewis, you have two minutes to." Uh, yeah. Yep.
1: Well, sit up to start.
0: Yeah. Explain your platform and introduce yourself to the listeners of Mile High
1: Stash. So four things. One, affordability. We can do it almost twice as fast. We're already at 8.5% affordability. Surrounding cities like Denver, Fort Collins, Colorado Springs are at less than 1%. So we've done a lot here, but we need to double what we've done. Otherwise, Boulder is just that kind of homogenous, boring, rich, white people's town where Mm -hmm. we paint our houses white with black shutters. And it's just Mm -hmm. boring. And we need employees, practically speaking. The restaurants need employees. We need uh, vibrancy. We need artists. We need musicians. We need Boulder to be interesting or Mm -hmm. no one will want to live here. We need children. Our schools are are losing children at a rate where they're going to close. So affordability. And not just uh, low-income affordability, but middle-income affordability is vital. Um, unless we want to just become uh, another veil or whatever. Yeah. Number two, um, the homeless public safety thing. Basically, everyone yells about it from left or right or whatever, up or down. Um, but again, if you look at experts, there are things that have worked. There are things that don't work. We can look at what works. Basically, creating this ladder for people to get out of homelessness, which involves mental health, um, addiction care, housing. um, You know, you house someone, they're not homeless, but you have to have the care to make sure they stay housed and they can get a job and become functional and have a good life. And that's both humane and practical. Or we can yell about it, throw more money at the police, but still restrain the police from not even having the power to do anything other than move the homeless folks Two blocks at a time, mm-hmm. which is what we've done. We've moved them around. We pay like fifty thousand per dollars or something per intervention. Um, it's insanely expensive. It, you're hurting the homeless people's lives, making them even more desperate, which isn't good for public safety. And you're not solving anything if you just move them two blocks. You're destroying the creek path, all that. Yeah. So, that's a case where you know we can we can and have to work together. And everyone says work together, kumbaya, but no one does it. There's two sides in Boulder. They yell at each other. The only way they get anything done, usually, not always, is to beat the other side, you know, to outvote them. I'm the only independent, so that's my fourth thing. I'll get to number three Mm -hmm. real quick. But my fourth is that I can actually work with my public uh, platform to kind of, if I can win, without the support of a slate, and I think I can, is to bring those two together and, and involve the public in a lot of decisions, get the word out so that the public is making noise in a, pr- in a productive, constructive way. And we can actually make some progress faster on every front. And then number three, which is really my number one, is climate crisis, which is fire mitigation, flood mitigation, bike lanes, affordability. You know, if people can afford to live here, they're not commuting. If they have to commute, they're on an EV bus or they're biking on a subsidied e-bike or a bike in a protected bike lane you know Mm -hmm. making it work um electrification of every building in boulder with subsidies we already have those subsidies to help people pay for it instead of you know continuing the fracking and indoor air pollution is like worse than outdoor air pollution almost Mm. every single day of the year because of gas basically Yeah, yeah so that's it and you know the fourth which i touched on is I'm running in the hardest way possible. I'm like the salmon swimming upstream, mm-hmm. hopefully not caught by the bear. And I need public support. People often are saying, hey, man, good luck, you know? And I say, I don't need luck. I need you. I need you to like actually do something, something, yard sign, yeah. podcast, you yeah. know, donate, um, you know, obviously vote, uh, spread the word, share Share something on social media or talk to your friends because yeah. I'm a front runner. I think I'm one of, Top two front runners right now, but there's other candidates running. Frankly, really strong campaigns, and mm-hmm. I really like some of them. And there's really only three or four slots, so yeah. for me to win, you know, I kind of have to. I need support. It's not, I, you know, because the slates are right now are putting yard signs up all over Boulder. Mm-hmm. They have newsletters with ten thousand subscribers in a hundred thousand person town. Yeah, like I need support. So yeah. that's it.
0: Amen. Good luck and uh, thank you so much for doing this.
1: Yeah, thank you, you for know, doing this. Yeah. And like I said, I don't need luck, I need support. And you yeah. just, yeah. you know, thanks for having me on. Absolutely, man. Appreciate it. I'll
0: give you another hour, then. gotta run, I
1: gotta fly away, leave you to fall,
0: leave you to stuff your flower. That was Boulder City Council candidate and Boulder native. Waylon Lewis, um, who's also the the founder and, um, I don't know what you would call it, CEO of Elephant Journal. Um, The election in Boulder is November 8th, but mail-in voting is going to start, it looks like, on um, October 16th. So get your votes out there, get your voice heard, and I will see you again right here for another episode of Mile High Stash next Monday, as usual.
1: I know this must seem real now. Everything will fall. I want to go back to my.